We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. So start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I'm your host, Shane Sanchez, and I'm really excited for you to listen to Mitchell McGee break down our latest parent research. Mitchell is the executive director of parent engagement at ParentQ, and he has 16 years of full-time ministry under his belt, including being on staff at North Point Community Church, where he led teams and designed experiences for 10 years. And recently, he was on the writing team for our newest book, What Most Parents Aren't Telling You. We can't wait for you to learn from him about our latest parent research, so let's check it out. Hey everyone, and welcome to the What Parents Aren't Telling You Breakout. I'm Mitchell McGee, and I'll be helping us navigate this conversation around the truth of where parents are in 2022. Now you might be thinking, are you even a parent? You look so young. I can promise you, it's just camera magic. I am a parent. In fact, my wife, Jen, and I are about to celebrate 17 years of marriage in August, and we have four wonderful girls who range from fourth grade to ninth grade. That's right. We're entering that high school phase. And we just bought our first dog. And I'll give you a guess at what that might be. It's actually not a girl. It's a boy. I needed a little help in the house. I've spent the last 20 years of my life doing what most of you are doing, helping ministries create spaces and environments where people can connect with their heavenly father. So let me just say, as we begin, I love what you do. And I've given half of my life to doing the very same thing. Today, I lead the strategy and marketing efforts with an amazing team of humans at ParentQ, where we wake up every day dreaming of how we can help parents become the parents they want to be. And as leaders in kid ministry and youth ministry and next-gen ministry, I get it. You may ask, what do parents have to do with what I do? I serve kids, students, young adults. And to be honest, parents and caregivers sometimes are just roadblocks to our goals. I mean, maybe you've even asked questions like this. 
Why don't they show up on time to pick up their kids? Why don't they read their emails? Why do they prioritize sports over our programs? Why aren't they volunteering in our ministry? And why don't they even realize their kid is coming to church? But the truth is, and it's taken me a long time to believe this, you don't have to like all parents or agree with all parents in order for them to have more influence than you. You see, every parent still has more influence in the life of a child than we do as leaders. And you know this because in any given year, we as leaders get roughly 40 hours with a child while parents and caregivers have 3,000. While we are building programming and influencing kids and students, it sometimes feel like we are their world. And we are. We're just a smaller portion of it, I think, than we realize. You see, every parent still has more influence in the life of a child than we do as leaders. And I didn't realize this until I got invited to my first wedding of a student from my youth group. I had been there for milestone events. I had prayed for their relationships with their girlfriend and and parents. And I feel like I was one of the biggest advocates in the student's life. But as I sat in the pew at this wedding, I had a few realizations. I wasn't walking anyone down the aisle. No one let me in on the first dance, and there it was. For good or bad, their influence was greater. And that's exactly what keeps therapists in business, right? Parents and caregivers matter. And this has driven us at ParentQ to understand and learn from parents and not just assume the worst on their behalf. In fact, to answer our questions that we started with earlier, parents are busy and they have other kids. And sometimes our emails that we send, they go to spam or maybe they weren't clear. Some caregivers work multiple jobs to make ends meet. You see, sports, they meet some basic needs of community that parents desire for their kids' healthy lifestyles. And then brain fog. I mean, I sometimes forget my kids' names, much less where they are. So why not for a few minutes, let's just cut parents some slack and lean in to what they are really thinking because I think it can change everything. In 2021, in the height of the pandemic, we, like many of you, were trying to figure out what serving parents would look like. So we initiated a research project with Arbor Research Group where we sought out to understand what parents are really thinking about. We began our first survey in the beginning of the pandemic and finalized another survey in March of 2022 this year that confirmed everything we learned about parents over the last 18 months. As an organization, we decided that we'd get really curious about what parents are really thinking, feeling, and wanting when it comes to raising their kids. Why? Because parents have more influence, and it matters what they think. Do you remember that moment in Ted Lasso? It's probably my favorite episode ever. It's the dart scene, if you've never seen it. Ted's standing in a pub. He's with Rupert, this other gentleman, and Rupert challenges him to play darts, in which Rupert thinks he's just going to crush Ted. Well, at the very end of the match, Ted's standing there, and he is. Rupert is crushing Ted. And he asks, how much am I down? And he's down 
so many points, there's hardly any way Ted can come back. And that's when Ted looks at Rupert and he says, well, Rupert, if you'd have been curious about me, you'd have known that I spent every Sunday playing darts with my dad as he throws it right in the exact place that he needs to throw it. And he continues two more times as he throws it. And Ted has a a way of making us feel things, doesn't he? Ted wasn't what he appeared. He didn't look like a dart player. He didn't look like a coach. And he didn't have people fooled. People just didn't know who he was. And in that moment, Ted said this quote. He said, be curious, not judgmental. Family needs are changing. And the church gets the opportunity to respond to those changes. And in order to understand how we can respond, we have to understand the current needs of parents. Not only that, families' needs continue to change throughout the course of a kid's life, which we're going to look at specifically today, which is why it's more important than ever to be curious about the needs, hopes, and fears parents have. We don't just need to hear them, but we need to respond to them. As a leader, you likely hear from a select group of parents a lot. You know who these parents are. My guess is sometimes we don't hear from the parents that we need to hear from because of all the noise from those specific parents. And the parents and children you're hoping to reach sometimes aren't heard from. Every parent matters. You see, every parent is human, and every human has a parent. And what's interesting about humans is that we tend to lean on one another from help. There's a great Pew Research stat that that asks this question, where do you go to for help as parents? And across all demographics, parents go to relational connection first. Their own parents, their spouse, their extended family members, which means that someday today's kids that we're serving are going to be going to their parents for advice. And if we want to help the next generation win, we have to help today's parents win. If we make a difference now, we impact the generations to come. Think about it in these terms. If we don't help this generation of parents win, we will be sacrificing the future of next generation's parenting abilities. Because here's what we know. This generation is going to grow up and they're going to need their parents and caregivers to help them with their parenting. We can't change the future with just one generation. We have to focus on them both. Because again, every parent is a human and every human has a parent. This is why every parent matters. Having a parent strategy is a student strategy. You see, when we see parents, we can serve parents. So I wonder what ministry would look like or could look like in all of our different contexts if we started with parents in mind. What could it change? And as the church navigates these new realities where fewer families participate consistently, many of us are asking these questions. How do we implement a church and a home strategy if families aren't coming? What are parents not telling us 
that we need to know. So today, as we look at this research and we look at the findings, let's make sure we're all on the same page with our terms and our methodology of this work. The findings in this study use the term parent to refer to an adult who consistently is tasked with the responsibility of raising a young person from the age of zero to 26. It may refer to a guardian, a grandparent, a step-parent, a foster parent, or any number of adult-child relationships. When we talk about the kid, the kid is generally the term for a child from birth to 25. Now today, we're gonna be looking at the general population of parents in the US. This represents 1,400 US parents from a diverse audience from all over the country who have been surveyed. This group participated in a survey in June 2021, as well as a follow-up study in March of 2022. And just a reminder, as stated before, This study did not set out to help leaders learn how to fix the family. Instead, we set out to listen to every caregiver in order to learn how to better serve the family. Because when we can see parents, we can serve parents. Today, we're not gonna be able to look at everything. I know that's disappointing, but we wanna take you through four insights that we believe can radically impact our ministry when it comes to parents. We asked parents four specific questions in this survey. What do you want for your kids? What do you worry about most for your kids? How do you feel about yourself as a parent? And where do you go for help? So let's dive in and discover where parents are together. What do parents want for their kids? The answer? Everything, it seems. It's Violet Beauregard's dad from Willy Wonka, a parent giving the whole world to their kids, or at least trying and then turning them all into blueberries. The findings, they're not that dramatic. But what's really interesting for all of us is Christian parents really do care about all things. And they care about all things at a higher percentage than non-Christian parents. There seems to be a correlation between faith and parenting that elevates the concern and care of being a parent when you're a Christ follower. Now, for the church, this is a great finding. And it reminds us that what we do matters. And it also reminds us that we're doing a good job. So well done. We also know that being a good parent is becoming increasingly more important in the lives of millennials. And that's for all parents, not just Christian parents. One Pew Research report says that 52% of millennials say being a good parent is one of the most important things in life. Millennial parents, especially dads, also report spending more time with their children than the previous generation of parents. More than half, 57% of fathers now say parenting is extremely important to their identity. Only 1% less than mothers. And fathers now spend three times as much time with their children than they did just two generations ago. And some of you feel this, right? I don't know if my granddad knew all of his kids' names. (laughs) He definitely didn't know mine all the time. And for me and my dad, well, It was a less than desirable relationship from my perspective. Not showing up for vacations because work, 
promising to be at the ball game as I look to the outfield after every play to find out that something more important must have come up. And something has changed in me and in dad's all over the U.S. And I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know if it's the I don't want to be like him syndrome or what, but dads are showing up and it's important. Now, while committed Christian parents differ from the general population in the level of importance they place on parenting, both groups consistently prioritize the same parenting values in almost every area. In the top three responses, Christian parents don't differ from the general population in what they say matters most. General population parents' top three are this, mental health, access to opportunities, and character development. And like I said before, the same is true for Christian parents. Fascinating, right? When given a list and asked to prioritize these things you want most for your kids, All parents agree. So as leaders, it begs the question from us, are we meeting these three most basic needs when it comes to serving parents who are raising kids? While I did find that intriguing, some of the most significant findings in this study are the ways in which parents' experiences changes from birth all the way to young adulthood. The top three parenting values, mental health, access to opportunities, and character development remain consistent in all of those phases except one. Parents raising six and seven-year-olds, if that's you, listen up, prioritize balanced nutrition above these three values, making it the highest priority parenting value for that particular phase. Parents are more educated than ever, and we can tell from the survey that eating and sleeping is some of the most important things to parents in this generation, which is why I love that we ask them. If parents value this, what does that change in how we feed our students, stage our environments, and take care of kids on camps? Is there more for us to wrestle down that's under the surface in this area? Now, let's take a quick glimpse at how this differs and plays out through each phase of parenting every kid. For preschoolers, parents rate access to resources highest in the first three years of parenting. And friendship with their children is highest when their child is four to five years old. When you move into elementary school, parents rate education, nutrition, community highest when their kid is six and seven. And character is highest when their kid is upper elementary. For those middle school folks out there, parents rate faith development, character and community involvement high when their kid is 12 to 15 years old. Which means, let's pause there for a second, the opportunity here is ripe for supporting families and developing a faith in their kids in middle school because roughly 52% of the general population of parents value faith most between the ages of 12 and 15. For high school, parents rate education, college prep, tech responsibility, friendship, sexual integrity, and faith development highest when their kid is 16 to 18 years old. And we get that. Parents are feeling that urge to prepare their kids for the rest of their lives in this stage. So what does it look like for us to help here? And that's not it. Parents place an increasing level of importance on their kids' mental health as they get older. 
And especially between the ages of 16 to 18, we see that 99.4% of parents say that this is important or very important. And for young adults, parents of 19 to 23-year-olds rate healthy mentors, career readiness, mental health, extended family connections, and physical exercise highest. Let's jump into question number two. What do you worry about most for your kids? I'll never forget the moment that we had our first child, but I'll really never forget the moment that 24 hours after delivering her, they released us into this crazy world with no warning, no help, no advice. Just go get your car seat and load her up. Now, this was the first and only day I've ever driven with both hands on the steering wheel at 10 and two. And I remember looking at my mom as soon as I got home asking, what do I do? I was so worried I was gonna mess this kid up. And she says, with a little sarcasm in her voice, don't worry, honey. It's just the first 40 years of parenting that are the hardest. Thanks, I think. It's not been that bad but parents do worry. This study states that parents worry most about the things that could impact their kids' future. These may or may not be a surprise to you. So here are parents' top five worries. Good eating and nutrition, getting enough sleep, anxiousness, responsible use of technology, and being bullied by other kids. And that's the general population. But when we look at Christian parents, it's the exact same until you reach number five where religious faith comes into play for Christian parents. It's worth repeating here. Christian parents do not differ from the general population in high priority that they place their kids' physical well-being, which means ministry leaders, we may wish to consider this question. Are we supporting parents in their efforts to prioritize their kids' physical needs as well as their spiritual needs? Now, in the early years, parents worry most about sleep and nutrition, but parents of four and five-year-olds also worry about anxiety in their children as often as they worry about sleep. Parents continue to worry about nutrition and bullies throughout the elementary years, as you can imagine. And parental concern for kids' anxiety begins to rise in the late preteen years. Parental concern for bullying peaks as soon as a kid enters school, six to seven years old, and remains constant through the beginning of high school. And then in middle school, parents worry increasingly more about their kids' anxiety, depression, suicide, body image, busyness, and exhaustion. One notable distinction here is parents worry about their kids' sleep during the middle school years more than any other phase. But the greatest number of parental concerns peak during high school years. And now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my daughter's entering high school. (laughs) What am I gonna do? But anxiety, depression, use of drugs, alcohol, suicide, and even racism peak in this season. And while the greatest number of parental concerns peak here, they're not equal by any measure. In fact, anxiety and depression are 20% higher than that that comes in second place, which is racism. 
And a few interesting distinctions here that pop out with parents of young adults where we see violence, body image, and busyness and exhaustion show up in that season. And most notably, the general population worry about faith increases in the young adult years. So how do we take advantage of that? You would think with worries and fears that parents speak of that it may affect how they feel about themselves, but quite the contrary has popped up in this data. So how do parents feel about their ability to parent? In general, pretty good. As part of this study, parents were asked to complete the following statement. As a caregiver, as a parent, I feel that I am blank. By selecting up to three adjectives that best describe them from a list of 18 different options. The result? Parents report a high level of confidence in their ability to parent, which is good. For the general population of parents, all nine positive adjectives outperform nine negative adjectives. And here it is again. The general population and the Christian population of parents align for the most part in their top five. Here's the top five for all parents. They feel capable, nurturing. They feel present and responsive. They feel engaged and they feel connected. And it just swaps a little bit for Christian parents where they feel connected, capable, nurturing, supported, and engaged. One notable thing in this section is that parents who attend church regularly, they feel more supported. That's an amazing thing, right? They feel more supported than those who attend less frequently. So well done. So let's jump through each phase real quickly and see how parents are feeling there. In preschool, career readiness is what they're thinking about. Wait, did I say that correctly? Career readiness in preschool? I think that's just indicating that parents are now more than ever feeling pressure to fuel their kids' future right from the beginning. In elementary, one notable thing is that this age group is focused on nutrition. Then you move into middle school and mental health becomes the top on the list. When you get to high school, parents are looking for support with healthy mentors. And the same's true for the young adult age from 19 to 25 with the additions of parents looking for support in tech and career readiness. You see, every parent needs help. The task of raising a young person into adulthood is a big job. And whether help shows up in the form of a neighbor, a teacher, a librarian, or another parent, a support network is an essential part of effective parenting. Now, research shows that parents who have stable, high-quality support networks have increased responsiveness from their kids, higher parental satisfaction, and lower levels of anger, anxiety, and depression. Let's take a look at where parents say they go for help today. When we look at the general population, all parents say their number one, spouse, partner. Number two, their extended family. And number three, friends, neighbors. And then guess where they go? To the internet. And the number five, books. And the only notable distinction between general population parents and Christian parents are, is that at number three, church comes in. And one of the most notable things that parents are looking for help with is across all phases is connecting with their child. 
They said above and beyond all other things that they are looking for experiences to have with their child. Now, that's a lot of data. And there's more data you can discover in the book as well. But what does that have to do with better serving human parents? Well, the church is made up of humans. And in order to serve them better, we have to see them and understand them and think about what it might look like to build ministries that meet parents where they are. There's so much at stake in whether or not the church gets this right. You see, these aren't just stats of parents who are random. They have faces and feelings, and we've seen them. They're in our communities. In fact, over the last year on tour and wherever we speak, we've asked people one question, and we've received over 500 responses from real life humans. We ask, what is something someone could have done to better support your parents when you were growing up that would have helped them become a better parent? And in this question, you can feel, you can feel all of the possibility the church could have had if it would have leaned in and met the needs of parents right where they are. Because you hear from adult kids of what could have been possible if someone would have leaned in with their parents. So let's take a look at a few of these responses from kids who can see it clearly now, what their needs could have been. Here's the first one. And this response is out of Pittsburgh. It says this, My parents took in three kids who were our neighbors when their mom died. My parents were too tired to go to church. They just needed help at home. They needed resources and people to donate their time. Here's another one out of Charlotte. I wish someone would have just let my single mom know she wasn't less than all of the intact families. Here's another one. It would have helped if my mom knew she wasn't going to be judged for her past abuser, which led her to have a drinking problem. If the church would have been willing to accept all of her and not feel uncomfortable when she came into the church, maybe she would have known God loved her and turned to the church family instead of to alcohol. It says, I ran to God by getting on a church bus They came to pick me up, which I wish would have come to pick her up. And for me, just to be personal, in protecting my family, the church chose me. My mom chose my brothers over my dad and his failings. And my entire life, I've wished that they would have chosen us all. And you have your own stories. I'm just convinced now more than ever that maybe loving someone's parents may accomplish more in the long term than loving a kid in the short term. We've all experienced this. My life could have been different or may have been different if the church would have chose to love my dad instead of rescuing me from my dad. Now, if we want to build ministries that last and make a lasting impact on the generations to come, we have to see all parents 
so that we can serve all parents, not just the ones that are already there. Because every parent is human and every human matters. As we wrap today, you may leave with more questions about what this means for your ministry than you came in with and for your personal leadership. And that's actually the hope that today would begin an internal conversation that could lead to an external conversation with your teams about what it could look like for you to prioritize a family and parent strategy in your context. And to do that well, we've actually created a conversation guide for you and your teams to navigate this content and the content of our new research book that comes out tomorrow, shameless plug. Now, if you think this conversation guide would be beneficial for you, why don't you pull out your phones wherever you are and take a screenshot of the QR code that's appearing now. This QR code is gonna take you to a website with some extra resources that can support you and your team as you navigate this book and this content together. Hey, thanks for listening and being a part of today. I look forward to our continued curiosity together as we see and serve all parents. I don't know about you, but I think that was so interesting. And we're so thankful that Mitchell shared the research with us. If you enjoyed listening to this message, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love this review by Charlie. They said, I have served for over 10 years in youth ministry, and I wish this resource was available to me when I started. Every week brings content that is challenging and helps me grow as a ministry leader. Thank you so much for the review, Charlie. And if you want to learn more about the latest parent research, go to the Orange Store today to grab your copy of what most parents aren't telling you.